Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from California, but now I am living in beautiful Wuhan, China. Today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. This is Alex Shirt. I am from the Northeast part of China originally. I am living in Beijing, China right now. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. You know, we very briefly in a recent episode talked about traditional Chinese medicine, but <laughs> it is one of those very deep subjects that we could probably just do an entire show on. Probably. You know, probably there are doctors out there who do traditional Chinese medicine shows. Um, I, I don't know. I've never explored the podcast world and see if anyone's doing shows about traditional Chinese medicine podcasts, but we should. If you think about it, I know that Dr. Oz is a not a beloved figure right now in the United States with a lot of folks, <laughs> or maybe he is very beloved with oh, other man. folks, but he did an entire show on medicine. So we are going to talk more about traditional Chinese medicine. Oh, yeah. One of the things I find interesting is that if, if you've been into the one of the shops where they make the, I guess you call it tea, like the actual drinks that people drink. Uh -huh. For example, when I'm sick with a cold, my wife will make me like a traditional Chinese medicine tea. Is that just called tea, like cha, or is that something else? Are you talking about those? They they look like instant coffee, and then you yeah 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 yeah. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So those are called chongji most of the time, meaning you have to put water into it and stir. So kind of like how you make instant coffee, mm. and those are almost specifically for when you are sick. I was confused because what you're saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah tea because yeah. there are people who there are people who use tea to 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 stay healthy or like for example uh, if you uh, are uh, what would be the situation if you sit in front of an air conditioning for too long and then you feel like your tummy feels weird then some people would put like ginger or whatever and then they would mix have a concoction of stuff mm. and just you know infuse the water with it um that's some kind of tea but the, the thing that the one that you're talking about that's a way of i think it's uh, basically dried up Chinese medicine, like mm -hmm. herbs, Chinese herbal medicine with some sort of sweetener in it because, you know, it's easier for kids and for adults to take down. So that's uh, when you get cold. I'm sure you have that. Summer probably, your wife probably makes you drink that when you have a cold. Or she gives me a variety of things. It's an easier way of taking in uh, Chinese medicine without having to have like a, a little clay pot and, and actually brew all the herbs together. And most... Yeah, most of the time you would have to go to like a Chinese uh, pharmacy, a Chinese traditional Chinese mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. hospital. And they have to do it there and then they seal it, they airtight it, mm -hmm. they, they air seal it and you bring a whole package back home with you and you put it in the refrigerator and refrigerator and then you take like a bag out each day and use it per doctor's instruction. So the chongji is just an easier way. It's like a convenient. Have way. you had the little ones that are like in a tiny little vial and kind of a plastic vial and you 
snap the top off and, and you just drink it, I guess. <laughs> so that those ones are nasty. Not all of them, but when you describe it like that, the most <laughs> the most famous one, I'm sure you've heard of this. Like, I don't know how many Chinese people would be able to tell you what it is in English, but it's liquid with really strong smell. Mm. And it's not a very pleasant smell. It's kind of bitter. It's bitter. It almost smells a little fishy, almost. But that thing, it cures heat strokes. It cures like cold. And if you're, um, if your stomach is upset, like all of those things, you just drink it. You have that five seconds of torture. Your body would <laughs> automatically just magically feel better afterwards. Uh, I actually kind of like the flavor. You do? <laughs> the, the way that you sound sad. <laughs> uh, you know, the first few times I tried it, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? But eventually I kind of was like, oh yeah, this is that stuff with that punch. Yeah, I will drink it because a lot of times uh, my stomach is not very, um, it's not too, sometimes I have stomach problems and my mm. mom tried to get me to drink it. And I was like, mom, I am having an upset, upset stomach mm. right now, which means I kind of want to puke. Oh. <laughs> You want me to drink this? I am going to puke. But if mm. you can really hold it down, then you'll be okay. So there's so many different kinds that I could bring up, and hopefully I can explain them better than my first attempt. Um, <laughs> the, there are these really small flasks that come in a glass bottle. It's baijiu, but it's like um, traditional Chinese medicine infused baijiu. So it's like an orangish brown color. Ah. And I have a friend who's British, actually. And when he gets a cold, that's what he drinks. He just slams one of those bottles of baijiu in goes to bed. Mm. For our listeners, Baijiu, by the way, is a very strong alcohol. It's it's like taking vodka, <laughs> medicine-infused vodka, basically. The way you said the word strong makes me think that there are stories behind that word. I just mean it. It's, it's like 40% alcohol by volume or something. It's really powerful stuff. It's not just like, oh, it's a little alcoholic. It it's, is. It's hard alcohol. It is hard alcohol. But the thing is, if you drink the good ones... You get that sense of drunkness the night of, but the next morning, at least for me, I, I used to think I couldn't take Baiju for the exact same reason we're saying, because it is 40% mm. or higher, 50. I've seen like 63 or something, the crazy number. Oh, wow. And I was like, there's no way I could I could even drink that. But when I did uh, last year, actually, kind of officially for the first time where I legit had a Baiju dinner with um, people that we're working with, mm. I felt dizzy that night, but I didn't feel like puking. I didn't feel like there was a headache. And the next morning after a night of sleep, I was, there's no hangover. Yeah, I know. I have had the same experience when I've drunk very high quality mm -hmm. Baijiu. I usually don't have a hangover. Right. I think it's high quality Baijiu. I have to drink the good ones. I don't know about those <laughs> tiny uh, glass bottles you could buy just from the convenience store. So we're not vouching for anything. We do not vouch for <laughs> or against anything. Please listen to all of our advice and our stories with your own <laughs> There's a brand of Baiju that has a red star on it and it comes in a green bottle. Those are in like all the convenience stores. They're like, I'm going to say it in the advertising voice for that because that one is usually here the name and it goes, Hongxing er guo tou. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> you know, Morris is a big fan of that one and he'll actually drink that sometimes. You know what? I'm not surprised for some reason. I haven't <laughs> met Morris in person, but I felt like if you if you tell me he's big on Baiju, I was like, yeah, but of course, you that know, makes sense. I don't think alcohol is everyone's go-to for medicine. <laughs> so that's not really what we're talking about when we talk 
talk about traditional Chinese medicine. I just wanted to kind of mention it. But you know, when I was a kid, every time I had a fever, my parents wouldn't give me the ibuprofen mm. or whatever. They would just rub my palms and my feet with baijiu. Really? Yes. That's very interesting. It was part of my life for a very long time. If I got, did you get a feeling from this other than the tactile sensation? It takes away the heat. Like you don't feel like you're burning. Oh. My parents have never put like a towel, a cold <laughs> towel on my forehead. They would just rub my palms and my feet. And if the fever runs really high, then they would actually rub my arms and my legs, like my whole body with it. Oh yeah. The best military commander is not he who fights a hundred battles and wins every one of them. The best military strategy does not lead to the desiccation of the enemy's capital city. Decoding the art of war will help you understand why there's no art in war and how Sunzi stayed undefeatable using the science of war, with fun stories and insightful breakdown of famous battles. Tune in to Decoding the Art of War on Spotify. You're listening to the Bridge. There is a kind of cough syrup that Chinese people use yes. that is different. I have it. I have a picture of it in front of me. On the bottle, it says "Nin Diom Pei Pa Kao." That's what the king. I don't know what. Maybe that's totally not what it is. I got the I got the Pei Pa Kao part. I didn't get the first two characters. It's not a character. This is what it says in English. I know. But so you know the kind of cough syrup I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. Okay, I'm okay. trying to decipher which which <laughs> bottle it's right in front of you. It's the one that like I think everyone uses here in China. It's like uh, you pour it in your throat and the basic coughing stops. What's really interesting is in... And it's sweet and it tastes so good. It tastes good. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting <laughs> is in America, we have Robitussin and what's the other one? Oh. Uh, Day- NyQuil. Not, no. Oh my God. Some of these have this really powerful drug called dextromethorphan, which is, you know, a very actual powerful narcotic. And it actually tricks your brain into not noticing that your throat is tickling. What's really interesting is this Chinese medicine doesn't take a few minutes to work. It works instantaneously and it, it works really well and it lasts a long time. Yeah. So Pipa Gal, this kind of like, I try to get my boyfriend to, to use it. It's it, amazing. It took a little bit of convincing, not too much because the texture is a little off-putting. It's very you. viscous. It's very sticky. Yeah. It's not liquid. Robitussin is basically like just liquid. You just pour it in your, in your yeah. even NyQuil is, NyQuil is a little thick, but it's not, it's not sticky. This thing is sticky. Pipa Gal or chili gao or chili gao is like the the same thing that's made from pears mm. uh chili gao pipa gao and then there are other kinds of cough syrups the taste we think i think because we're more uh used to this kind of taste we think it tastes good but for a lot of people it has that weird fruity taste in something that they think should be uh like medicine or a drug so people get like kind of weirded out by that fact but mm. i love that thing there was a time i was just drinking it because i liked it but the, the difference is <laughs> You don't get intoxicated from it where kids in America do get really intoxicated or, or under they would put themselves under significant influence and from drinking an excessive amount of NyQuil. Yeah, I think some of those, uh, I'm not sure which one, so I don't want to libel anyone, but some of those American or Western kind of um, cough suppressants can, if they drink them in, in excess, can be very dangerous and very strong narcotic. Yeah. Most of the Chinese traditional medicines or the medicines that are used, I don't know even know if that's traditional. They don't have that kind of effect. You don't get like a, a drug effect from them. 
them at all whatsoever. They just work really well on helping you with your symptoms when you're sick. Yeah. And actually, you know, I always had these really long colds my whole entire life. Mm. Like I would get if I got a cold, I was like, oh, there goes three weeks. But like I went to my wife's hometown with her one time and I was staying in a hotel and I was really sick and I was like, oh, I guess trip's ruined. I'm just going to stay here. Mm. Her mom came by and dropped off a bunch of medicine. And then I don't know, one or two days later, I was fine. You know, it's not like, (laughs) you know, I know how long I'm going to be sick typically. You know, you have a feel for it. And I was just like, why am I okay now? I always use Chinese medicines when I get cold now. And I feel like all my colds have just generally gotten a lot shorter, shorter. Yeah. Yeah. I try not to take medicine for when I'm just having a cold because I know it's your body reacting to the environment, whatever there is, like something was compromised and your body's trying to fight it. Also from that process, it builds up its immunity system as well. So I was like, I don't want to put chemicals in it just so that I could feel better because I have done that once in 2014 when I was graduating from grad school and I was under a lot of stress and I was really, really sick. I was like having, I was having a a, a long lasting fever for like three, four days and I was had to finish my graduation project. And everybody around me back then in the States were like, they talk about taking ibuprofen, like drinking water. Like if you're not, if you're thirsty, just take some take some water. So if you're not feeling well, just take some ibuprofen, mm. take some Advil. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to be like the cool kids. I'm going to tough this one through. And so I brought a whole like bottle of uh, Advil to school with me for a couple of days when I was editing mm. every day. If I feel like, oh, I'm dizzy or I feel like my head is really heavy, I just take two, two Advil. And that cold lasted about two weeks. And then after those two weeks, I started having a really bad sinus uh, problem. And I started, I had uh, developed allergies for the first time in my life. Hmm. Until today, I'm still suffering from it. You know, people develop allergies at different times in their life. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. 2,500 years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The Sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. You're listening to The Bridge. We were talking previously about Chinese traditional medicine and acupuncture. So I wanted to talk about that again in this episode briefly. This is something that is done around the world. Increasingly, you can use Western insurance to pay for acupuncture because it is thought to work for a lot of various kinds of things for back pain. And cupping is now something that you can get done on a lot of places around the world. I had cupping done recently. So cupping, for people who don't know what it is, there are a couple different ways. One is actually there's a plastic syringe Version, yeah. And there's no fire of, of any kind. They put a plastic like a, mm. I don't know what you would call it. A It looks like a cup onto you, onto your back usually. And then they can just pull the air out with like a plastic syringe like device. So the air gets removed and then your skin is raised up and it causes your skin to, I don't know what's the word, get like a hickey. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only term I, I could think of. It leaves a purple reddish mark yes. on your skin. How about that? <laughs> and, it le- and it leaves like it's. 
it's like a week before it like goes back to normal color skin. It is so common now because I was watching all of these basketball games, not by my free will, but <laughs> they can also do it with fire where they put light the inside. That's the tradition. That's the real way. That's the traditional way. They have a glass, a piece of glass yes. and they light, yes. light the inside on fire. And then as it's burning out, they put it on your skin really fast and it creates a vacuum yeah. and then it pulls your, raises yes. your skin. Up. Yeah. That's what a lot of, uh, you see a lot of NBA players nowadays. They go to acupuncture and you see their cupping marks mm. on their body. Wow. Like when they're playing, you see that. Yeah. It's, it's super popular and kind of it's recognized in the sports world. In, in the US mm. and probably I would say in a lot of other countries as well because cupping and uh, acupuncture I guess it's not as demanding physically for a lot of the mm. athletes you know when you have to stretch or you have to go to kind of like not physical therapy but that kind of training where you have to if your one of your muscles got way too tense and then the process of them massaging it out is so incredibly painful mm. I guess cupping a lot of people are like oh my god that looks so bloody because you actually see <laughs> like you know marks on your mm-hmm. on your body but i'm quoting jason i'm quoting everybody else has, who has done it it doesn't hurt but i haven't done it myself you didn't do it you haven't done it <laughs> you know i've never i've never done cupping because wow, i'm very surprised that's why i was like when you said that the real that there's another way of using real fire because i saw my family my auntie was doing that for my cousin uh, my cousin was like 23 and he was doing a lot of heavy labor work so his back was really hurting mm. and my auntie kind of forced him and she was like you are gonna just lie down there i'm gonna put this cup on your back and then i think she used an alcohol infused uh cotton ball mm-hmm. and she she lit that up put it into the big glass jar <laughs> um the way she did it was so hardcore it was for lack of a better word very gangster <laughs> i loved it i was like that's so cool and she held it she kind of just uh waved the the cotton ball that was on fire um to make sure maybe Mm-hmm. two three seconds and she she took the cotton ball out and then she just put the cup on his back and i heard the noise i heard the sound it was bu- <laughs> i was i was younger i don't know 12 or 13 i was like i don't like this like looks too scary but I, that's that's what's mm. been keeping me from trying it. The first time I saw it on someone, I was like, what happened to you? They'll do like 20 places, like all over their shoulders and back. And <laughs> Did like, someone beat you up? All these round circles, uh, red, yeah. purplish round circles all over someone. And, uh, you know, it's actually, yeah. it, it feels nice. And when they did it to me, there was like, they did it in like 20 different places. It was all over my back and shoulders. How many problems did you have with your body? It was one problem. But they were like, oh, we're just going to, you know, you're obviously been drinking cold ice water, Jason, and you're American, your cheese all messed up. We got to fix this. That is the source of all of your pain, Jason. (laughs) So they really did it. And like, it felt great. Actually, I imagine that's what it feels like to be suspended in air or something. It was so bizarre because all my skin was stretched in different (laughs) positions, but it was like all over my entire back. Uh It felt like my skin was floating during the process. And then after it came out, there was no pain at all. It didn't hurt. There was no like, ouch. Yeah, that's the thing that people say. It looks like it's bruises, but it doesn't hurt. It was kind of like a massage for like underneath your skin. It was really nice, actually. Yeah. It It felt lovely. Right? Yeah. But you've done, have you done? gua sha have done scraping no i haven't done that. okay but i've seen it done wow so tell us about what is so gua sha is a way of um releasing tension most of the time in your on your on your back some people use jade and a lot of people use like horns or whatever or bone material to scrape your skin 
of course, there's going to be some kind of like lubricant or oil that's not just scraping your skin with the the little panel that's trying to kill you. But through that process, it kind of runs through all of your pressure points and whatever knots that you have mm. along the spine and along like major uh, tendons or whatever. I I guess the reason why you have those like under the skin blood spots coming out after you do. Scraping or gua sha is because it breaks some of the small, tiny blood vessels, um, and it forces them to reorganize themselves. I don't. Sorry, that's my that's my wild guess of why it works. But I've done it. I've done it once. Um, without the panel, without the the jade tool or the bone tool, it was just that person's hand. So it's not necessarily the tool that、uh, they use. It's the way of massaging your body, and it produces that.、Mm. Not really blood, but you have that those little red dots or like a whole area of red dots, and those red dots all to, all together, that redness on like under your skin, that's called sha. So that's why it's called gua sha. It's like we scrape and you get the sha to come out of your skin, come out of your body. So I'm sorry, what is the sha? Sha is the redness.、Oh. So like if you go if you go get gua sha, they will be like, oh, this person like we scraped a lot of sha out of this person. <laughs> so like that means that means you're so red, you're purple. But that's that also means that you had a lot of problem. They were able to kind of. Scrape it, scrape them out. You say on the back, and I've seen it on back and their neck and stuff. But one thing I've also seen it on the throat in a very yeah, just very small place. Yeah, like the size of your thumb. Oh, just right on the throat. I've seen it just like a little on some of my kids. Yeah, you know I teach kids sometimes, and their throat they'll ha- come in with like a scraped up throat, and I'm like, oh, what happened? And they're like, oh, this is like grandma. Yeah, this is done by a doctor. I had a cough, and grandma did that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Is that what? The- yeah, that's a lot of people still do that when you're having cough when you're having a fever. People tend to just do that. It's I think the one on the throat was definitely done just by hand, and you just kind of、mm. do like kind of really. Um, really tough massage along that around that area, and it's supposed、mm. to just get rid of the symptom. And it, I mean, it works sometimes, but it just again, it looks a little painful to me. So、um, I'll I'll be okay. I'll drink more water. I'll drink warm water instead of cold water. Oh yeah, a million, a billion, or maybe a gazillion years ago, a giant split open an egg. Then came the lady giant who made people, and Mr. Curious, the botanist, Mr. Handyman, the Baron on the tree. This is our new season of Chinese folk tales, and we will explore the ancient mystical world together. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You're listening to the Bridge. So there's also Tai Chi for traditional medicine purposes. Done. Yeah. So I think that's also interesting. So exercise as a form of medicine. So yes. So do you know anything about this? There are a couple different types of exercise that are invented or created for the purpose of strengthening your body or making the chi. 
chi in your body run more, you know, more smoothly. Mm-mm-mm. And that's supposed to like the traditional Chinese medicine whole idea. It's very like holistic, you know, like if the qi could run through you without hitting any stoppage, that means you're healthy. Um, so Tai Chi, of course, there are different schools of Tai Chi. One of them is more focused on using your body, at, whereas some other ones that you see in the Kung Fu movies where those Tai Chi's are more for the philosophy behind those Tai Chi is to use lightweight to fight against, use the weight of the attack to uh, retaliate um, all of those. That's more for like mm. combat and stuff. I think a couple of schools of Tai Chi practices that focus more, it's kind of like yoga. It focuses on how you breathe, how you bring awareness to all of your organs and your and your body parts and mm. through mm-hmm. these movements, how you would, how you should connect yourself with the Chi, with the heaven and earth. Um, there's also this other, uh, it's not a Kung Fu. It's kind of like, um, hmm, Maybe another type of yoga, but it's like a, a set of movement that people do nowadays. And if you go to Chinese traditional Chinese hospitals in Beijing, mm. a lot of them have uh, pictures on the wall talk, talking about this exercise. And they'll probably provide a free exercise, like free classes for you as well to try it out. Because mm. we went to in 2018 when I was working with uh, Euro News, they came to they came to Beijing and one of the episodes we're doing is the traditional Chinese medicine. And I actually did that like as a producer, I did that on set with them mm. to see how it feels. And this one is called Ba Duan Jing. Mm. So it's eight different moves and they mm. all look, some of them look actually quite a little exaggerated. You know, it's like big moves. It's your, it works your whole body. But mm. when you look at it, you're like, oh, that that's easy. Same thing as when you watch Tai Chi, you're like, oh, they're barely moving. Mm. Yeah. Easily said and done. When you go on there and actually follow the instructor, you're like, you know what? I think I actually could do this every day it really feels makes you feel very very good mm. i guess sometimes we look at yoga and we look at all of these other kind of exercises that are more mind body re- aware or focused that have been popularized in the world and we think oh that's great but we have stuff you know <laughs> i'm actually kind of surprised alex that your wealth of knowledge about this topic i, I, I <laughs> like i did not expect you to know so much about this i think i told someone that i was very interested in when we were talking about dancing a while ago short while ago and i was like i actually want to learn traditional Chinese dancing and my friends said the same thing they were like you <laughs> I was like yes I love it what's your problem with that well, I know you do salsa so you, I knew you were into dancing yeah but it's the the vibe of a traditional Chinese uh, classical dance is so different from mm. from salsa dancing and mm. my friends couldn't see it either but I, I love it oh Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters, Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chanzhou's Wu We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train. And feel the excitement in the snowfields. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China, 
from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms, or on our website, radio.cgtn.com. You're listening to The Bridge. There are other aspects to this that I think not necessarily associate exactly with traditional Chinese medicine, uh, but I don't know the relationship because their Taoism has its own. Mm. Uh, so when we go to a, uh, a traditional Chinese doctor or to a sometimes just a regular pharmacist, sometimes we see like a, a five, a pentag- pentagram, pentagon, where where it has like the flow of your chi mm. expressed like wood and uh, metal <laughs> and water and there's a whole idea in Taoism that your different organs are associated with different aspects of yin and yang. And like if you wear certain colors, even (laughs) it can increase the health of your liver. And so there's like a long history of a very complex relationship between all of these ideas that I honestly, I do not understand. We really believe in the five basic elements of nature, right? So metal, earth, uh, water, fire, and wood, right? Like like timber. It flowed right off the tongue. Everything kind of goes back to it. And if you think about it, yeah. And there's a like the chart that you see, like if you combine this and this, mm-hmm. it becomes this. Like if you combine uh, water and mm. uh, fire, you have it becomes air, it becomes mist. So it kind of explains how everything is transformed. It transforms back as well. Rain goes into soil and it becomes wood and, you know, all of that. And to a point, if you believe in that, like when you look at your... To a lot of people kind of, you know, how America, not just America, but other the Western world like to do tarot reading for yeah, yeah, yeah. for fun. We look at our birth information, which includes the day, the time and the location. And you have like a whole reading of what kind of elements that you respond to and all of that. It's mm. I mean, like you can't believe it with tarot reading or whatever horoscope and all of those things. We all know that there's some truth to it but it, you, obviously nobody's going to use that as the bible of their life. Well I have a friend who actually has an app on the app every single day it tells him like the kinds of things he's supposed to be eating and stuff <laughs> because of like how the elements are behaving on that particular day that comes from some very complex set of calendars mm. and so I asked him about it and he said basically all this really tells me is whatever things are in season right now that's probably what you should be eating Yes, and I was like oh okay so it's like a lot of it's like, OK, this is the season when this particular vegetable is in season. So you should probably be eating seasonal vegetables. And yeah, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> just really interesting. Yeah. My mom says that, too. Like a lot of her uh, family friends are saying that our family relatives who live in the countryside who have their own land and their yard to grow vegetables and all kinds of crops and fruits, they're healthier. They don't you know, they're not like looking at uh, tips to stay healthy and they're not doing any diet that we do like mm. crazy yeah. you know city people were like oh, let's try this diet let's try this kind of juice cleansing let's try like you know uh, intermittent fasting or whatever and all of my family relatives who live in the countryside they're still very healthy and they're very happy and my mom's like that's because they eat the food that's seasonal and that that's grown in their backyard and it's just healthier western doctors are always saying the same thing too in a different way they say don't eat processed foods i mean drop the mcdonald's you know and stop eating like yeah exactly you know, all 
this junk food that comes inside of a plastic <laughs> bag and start eating like, you know, vegetables and fruit. But oftentimes when I become a hypochondriac and I think I, something's wrong with me, I will go look on like WebMD or wherever I do that and find out what am I supposed to do? And, and I, you're like, oh, no, I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm going to die. But, I, you know, what's really interesting, the solutions part where they tell you what to do if you have a problem with your liver. Oh, it's don't eat processed food. Start eating fruits and vegetables. Don't smoke and don't drink alcohol. Oh, no, there's something wrong with my stomach. Oh, don't eat processed foods. Eat fruits and vegetables. Don't smoke and drink. You're like, whatever you think is wrong with you, stop eating processed foods, yeah. eat fruits and vegetables, and stop drinking and smoking, basically. We've had this topic. Uh, we've talked about medical uh, insurance in China and the United States. Mm-hmm. And when I was in the U.S., like I, I said, I couldn't afford, like I couldn't afford the thought of just being like, oh, I'm not feeling well. I'm going to the doctor. So every time I felt a little weird or something was mm-hmm. happening, I was always going on WebMD. After a while, I was like, you know what? This is not like, I don't think the world works this way. Every time I look up, I'm having some sort of like incurable disease. And then I'm like, oh, what if I don't want to go to the the, the doctor? Um, is there home therapy? And then, like you said, all the home therapy to all of these incurable disease that they claim you might have <laughs> are all the same. <laughs> it's like. I don't think they have, I don't think they have a solution. I don't think they have like a a remedy for whatever I'm going through. Or maybe like the vast majority of diseases in our time are caused by eating processed foods. I think that is like even likely. Yeah, I think people are having more allergies, different types of allergies. It seems like there's more cancer. Maybe it's just because we're recording it better. But there's more and more cancer than ever before. I, I know. Maybe it's just because people are eating Fritos. Sorry, Fritos. Just you know, it's we're not trying to we're not trying to attack you. We love Fritos. I love. I ate so much Fritos. Oh yeah. A million, a billion, or maybe a gazillion years ago, a giant split open an egg. Then came the lady giant who made people, and Mr. Curious, the botanist, Mr. Handyman, the Baron on the tree. This is our new season of Chinese Folk Tales, and we will explore the ancient mystical world together. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. You're listening to The Bridge. Okay, so acupuncture, we talked about this in the previous episode, but I want to talk about it again. Why did you actually, you got acupuncture one time. What was that for? I have a very bad sleeping Mm. problem. Like I dream a lot. And when I say a lot, it's not like once a week. I'm like, oh my God, I had this weird dream. Every day I go to bed, when I wake up, I remember my dreams. Mm. They go away after a little bit, but some dreams some dreams stick with me. Mm. And when you remember your dreams the moment you wake up, that means you're really tired. Because I think when you are in deep sleep, you don't remember the dreams. Your brain would mm. be working, but you wouldn't remember the dreams. Mm. But if you remember, that means your brain never got to got the rest that it's supposed to have. Mm. So you wake up tired, you wake up feeling exhausted, and you'll have that really visible, obvious under the eye dark circle, which I do. Mm. Um, and it was kind of getting in the way of just me feeling as someone who's well always kind of just a little tired like I could do stuff but I'm just a little tired all 
time. So I can't imagine, or maybe I can, but I don't want to go to a doctor and he'd be like, what's your symptom? And I say all the things that I just said to the doctor. Doctor's like, so you're just a little tired. (laughs) (laughs) So you got acupuncture once and it didn't work for you because you maybe needed it many times. I definitely needed it. Uh, I needed to go back way more than once because it's not an instant cure. The instant cure would be a sleeping pill. I, I have a coworker, <laughs> and he was telling me about his acupuncture experience recent. I have two stories I want to share, not just about me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my coworkers, he was lactose intolerant mm-hmm. and this was new for him, like a new allergy. He formerly was not lactose intolerant. Yeah. So he went to an acupuncturist and he underwent some processes and is not lactose intolerant. I, so I'm not sure because he wasn't formerly if it was the acupuncture, but he he's very convinced. <laughs> I also have another coworker and she is like you. She loves dance. She's a huge dance person. She studied dance. She has a bachelor's degree in dance. Oh, wow. And, and she hurt her neck somehow. I'm not sure how. But I don't think it was her her spine. It was some some related part of her neck. And she said she swears by acupuncture. She went to a, a couple times for a couple treatments and felt like her her problems were resolved. And in, in um, even in America now, for certain issues, you can get your insurance to cover acupuncture if you have, you know, nice insurance, obviously. Oh, that would be really great because I imagine the price to get acupuncture in the United States is probably kind of steep. Oh, yeah. 2,500 years ago, an old man rode on his buffalo and headed west of China. Before he vanished into the wild, he left behind a book of 5,000 words, which for the next two and a half millennia would have shaped the Chinese way of thinking. Subscribe to the sayings of Lao Tzu and find out why generals with wisdom yield after winning the ultimate battle and how staying behind just might help you get ahead of others. The Sayings of Lao Tzu is available on all major podcast platforms. You're listening to The Bridge. We were talking about insurance and the cost of things recently for the cost. You get like 80 percent of your medical bills covered, at least by the system reimburses you. But the actual cost of getting things is really low. Recently, I had I went to three different hospitals about a dozen times and I saw so many different specialists and they eventually I was cured of the problem that I had with my spine. And uh, I had an MRI during that period. Mm -hmm. My entire total cost was a couple thousand RMB. For just the MRI alone in the United States, it would have been more than that. So right, so, even the with the copay and stuff, it's still yeah. It's just it's absolutely mind boggling how much attention I got from so many people for such an affordable price. And I'm very thankful that I am in China. I got I received a, a variety of treatments. I had Western medical doctors and 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 I had a Chinese traditional medicine used. I'm humbled yeah. by the experience of all of these professionals really helping me. I know, you know what we say here um, that, you know, there's there's this always this ongoing debate between uh, Chinese traditional Chinese medicine and Western medicine. But for like an average person who uses both and who knows a little bit about both from a, of a patient's perspective, I feel like 
okay, if you're really like dying, not dying, but if you're really having a really, really, really bad fever and you need to bring it down, of course, I'm going to take uh, an Advil or something, you know, like some type of ibuprofen to bring it down or if I'm really in pain. Mm. But if I'm talking about like daily maintenance of my body, that's not like so strict or clearly, it's not a clear symptom I just want to get rid of at this moment, then I would probably follow the traditional Chinese medicine method of maintaining mm. the balance of your body and try to you know not indulge yourself in like for example eating too much ice cream staying up too late and stuff and i feel like it's overall just a a very healthy uh lifestyle that would keep you away from a lot of the little little diseases or troubles that your body would i kind of want to ask you a question also um it may be about your sleeping issue. When Americans, you know, use their uh, oh. incorrect perception of the world, they see Asia as one of those places where meditation is done. India, China, Japan are often thought of There's a lot of Zen and like different kinds of yeah. Hinduism, Buddhism and Taoism and all these things that we don't really understand. But like, have you tried meditation? Um, I tried that in the States. I went to a couple of like yoga meditation classes. It's, it's not for me. No. <laughs> it's not for me. My mind, the w- myself, Self-diagnosis is my mind is too active. Mm. It's it just doesn't stop. Like my mind kind of goes from one place to another within a millisecond. So when I'm talking to people, this is this show is probably the only hour of my day <laughs> of my life where I can talk about one topic for like a whole hour. Um, <laughs> all of my other conversations, I would go from like one place to another. Um, I, I can bring it back. That's the thing. Like it jumps back and forth all the time. And when I was doing meditation. Every time the instructor says something, I can't just take it in. My mind just goes, oh, she says it this way, but what if? And then, oh, that reminds me of this. Oh, I, it reminds me of somebody's hair. Oh, hair. Oh, the hair salon that I went to is next to this really <laughs> nice coffee shop. And they have this coffee called Crack Coffee. And it's, it's what a weird name. Like, my mind works like that. Mm. So it's really hard for me to tame it, um, at least without serious efforts. I Maybe if I do it, I force myself to do it for a month on end, maybe. Maybe meditation will help, but not for it's just not for me. And meditation overall isn't super, I would say, isn't super huge in China, not traditionally. There mm, mm, a mm. lot of the young people now try to do it, but like my parents would not. They would be like, uh, no thanks. <laughs> I have more important things than to. <laughs> you know, my wife is actually really uh into Buddhist meditation. And you're right. Her parents are also like, that's silly, you know, a little or used to be actually. She's increasingly her ideas about uh Buddhism are growing on her mom. <laughs> but she, you know, she does meditate, but not in the ways that like I think Americans think about meditation is like this sitting there quietly, like with a Zen sound coming out of them or something. She repeats a lot of things over and over and over and over. Like, like the scripture. Yeah, like Buddhist mom. Mantras yeah. and sutras and stuff. Oh, mantras, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dunhuang. Situated along the ancient Silk Road, where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Dunhuang, a place born in legends. 
Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang. The one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe to the Why We Love Dunhuang podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. Why We Love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Listening to the bridge. Um, so I wanted to actually talk about something different. I feel like maybe this is uh, impolite, but also <laughs> I wanted to look at traditional Chinese medicine through the prism of Western medicine. Okay. So I, f- I found this article on WebMD, and it is <laughs> "What is Traditional Chinese Medicine?" That is the name of the article. It came out last year, mm. and on at the bottom it says, "Does it work?" There's a question, mm. and so. Studies show a lot of promise, colon. Acupuncture <laughs> is apparently accepted as a treatment for mm-hmm. relieving pain and limiting the side effects from chemotherapy. Huh. So I thought that's really interesting because chemotherapy is probably one of the most brutal regimens to go through yeah, uh, in, yes. in the medical community. Like basically you're putting poison into your body yeah. deliberately. So acupuncture is used uh, in the West as a pain relief mecha- uh, mechanism, which is interesting. Mm. And then it also goes on that uh, some herbs in traditional Chinese medicine are now used for sleeping. Well, so arthritis and menopause. Hmm. And it mentions Tai Chi is used to improve people's balance when Parkinson's disease. Um, That's not what they, my father had Parkinson's, very, very severe (sighs) Parkinson's. He didn't do Tai Chi, but uh, he had other mechanisms. But it also says cupping is used to relieve pain from shingles. Wow. These are very (laughs) limited, but the uses of traditional Chinese medicine are are much more broad than this. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Because when, when we talk about traditional Chinese medicine, um, a lot of the time, that's why I like it when people actually make this title-cased way of using it as a, a phrase, like traditional Chinese medicine in its entirety. It's a concept as a whole, not just... Because mm. when we say, we say Chinese medicine, right? Like Chinese people would say... Mm, Chinese mm. medicine, but when we say Zhong Yao, that means the drugs, that the herbs that we take. Mm, and Zhong mm. Yi is the doctors that diagnose you with the four methods of traditional Chinese way of diagnosing is Wang Wen Wen Qie, which means to look. It sounds a little funny, but to look and to ask and to take the pulse. So from that, that's a whole method of how they would come to the conclusion of what's going on with your body and they will prescribe you with the Chinese herb. Mm. And so I love that, you know, saying, you know, capitalized Chinese traditional Chinese medicine, that means it encapsules a lot more than just a couple of bulletin points mm-hmm. of what it could do. There's so much mm. more in like you've been in China for a long time, Jason. You've seen it mm-hmm. kind of becomes part of your everyday life mm-hmm. like the the little herb wine that you talk about that people infuse with all kinds of either herbs or animal products mm-hmm. or whatever mm-hmm. 
to fight arthritis and um, a lot of other problems. Mm-hmm. And then we also eat those things. We make soup with Chinese medicine mm-hmm. herbs mm-hmm. as well. That's- also, just the idea of drinking hot water, also part of this tradition, like the, the idea of chi. Yes, that's the whole thing. I, fe- I felt like I don't know what lab in the world would be able to do <laughs> to carry out a whole series of experiments to kind of, you know, prove to the world that this chi theory actually has this justification and it, it makes sense. If they did, I feel like I would be a much happier person when I try to force people to drink hot water. <laughs> you know, the thing about these giant scientific studies that they do is there's like 10,000 people and like in order to, and it takes 10 or 20 years sometimes to get like a maybe for these huge projects. Yeah, exactly. So even like when Western scientific medicine tries to prove something, oftentimes they they also disprove it in another study. So like it's a confusing process for people outside of the medical community because oftentimes they'll say no it doesn't work yes it works here's your here's your prescription oh by the way this might hurt your liver it's you know it's not all just like when we talk about science we have to understand that science isn't a science (laughs) (laughs) i mean when you test people when you test ten thousand people but can you test them for 60 years (laughs) probably Mm. not so if we just look at ourselves as we're all little guinea pigs maybe that'll make us feel a little bit better (laughs) about different possible solutions. I don't know if you've seen that. Nobody was there to see it, but I don't know if you saw that video where this guy who lost his nerve function in his face, so his face was, he couldn't move. He didn't do any Mm. uh, facial expressions at all in his, you know. And he went through all kinds of treatments in Mm. the UK um, and nothing worked on him. And then they brought him to China Mm. and they did acupuncture. I think I did two sessions and mm. he like he was even able to speak after two sessions. But of course, but of course those two sessions were uh, administered in the hospital mm. and uh, it was a lot more needles than mm. what you and I <laughs> experienced. But this is an older video as well. So I, d- I don't know. I wasn't there. Those kind of moments are kind of, are miraculous, you know, not trying mm. to mm. make it sound magical and stuff. But sometimes it, it does happen. Like I mentioned in a previous episode, I recently had my own run in with a traditional Chinese medicine where I had a very severe issue with my spine. I want to tell the story just this part again, because it frightened me. He spoke English, but not well enough to convey what he wanted to say to me in English. So he was talking to my wife and she was translating for him. <laughs> and then she's like, oh, yeah, you have to have surgery. Oh, yeah, they're going to remove part of your spine. Oh, yeah. At the, and it's like they want to operate today. Oh, my and it's God. Like, oh, I, in English, I look at him because I know doctors usually speak English because, you know, they're very educated. Yeah. And I was like, there's no other way. And he looked at me and very seriously said, no other way. Wow. And I was like, oh, no. And so we left and we went dramatic. To, this was after the MRI and everything. And he had looked at the MRI and he was really like, we need to get you into surgery ASAP. And we went it to this traditional Chinese medicine hospital where I began treatment. And, you know, after a couple of weeks of very intense therapy, you know, drinking a uh, uh, herbal teas and things every day and hot water yeah, and, uh, yes hot and hot water <laughs> every day drinking traditional chinese medicine and undergoing uh, a- acupuncture and moxibustion and uh, all these other varieties of physical therapy that were all traditional chinese medicine i was fine and like was basically finished and there was no more pain i was having pain radiating down my arms and and i could uh i was like it was really quite brutal oh wow and now i'm i'm just sitting here chilling everything's cool no more pain no more recording podcasts yeah yeah, like so i mean i'm not trying to say that 
you know, this is the only example or whatever, it, or that's definitely works or, or the miracle thing that you're saying. But for me personally, I, I will always <laughs> like you be using Chinese traditional Chinese medicine in my life in the future, because I feel personally convinced. I'm sure that story would resonate with a lot of, again, NBA players, because after they tried a traditional Chinese medicine way of relieving pain and curing their injuries and stuff, they would they those people, they swear by it and like NFL players mm, mm. as well. They really. What's interesting about your example is those people are paid millions of dollars. Their entire career is on the line. We're talking about their yeah. family and their family's heritage. And like so much is on the line for those players. If they are swearing by it, that says a lot about, you know, if it's working. Exactly. That's why I was like, hey, we should uh, actually do spinoff series on traditional Chinese medicine. <laughs> and hey, maybe we get to interview uh you know, the NFA, NFL and NBA players on our show. And that's an idea. Actually, I think if there were going to be a spinoff show on traditional Chinese medicine, we would need a traditional Chinese medical doctor or professional to join us for that. I do want to add this, though, because a lot of people look at traditional Chinese <laughs> medicine and think it's something that's old and people don't care about it and stuff. But the recent uh, trend is I actually know people myself where, you know, people of my generation and they look at traditional Chinese medicine and they see the value it already has and the potential it could mm. have. So they throw themselves into actually popularizing uh, traditional Chinese medicine. And like I said, mm. I want to look at this from a very critical perspective. I know that there are a lot of things that haven't been proved in a lab. So it's like people are like, I don't want to believe it hundred percent, but it, that's okay. That's, I hope, is, uh, you know, is coming in the near future. But the parts that do work, like the, what's the word, the mugwort treatment that you did, they're making those tiny little devices and they don't burn the herb with actual fire, but it heats it with, uh, with with uh electricity uh so it's like an electronic mugwort burning thing and it's very <laughs> portable and you put mm. it on wherever you want to put it like if you have back problem you put it on your back and if you like for for ladies who have their problems you put it um on your on your on your tummy and it it works and people are buying it. and there are so many innovative ways of making chinese the traditional Chinese medicine more accessible and it's done by younger people. So that I'm just, that's something that I'm really, really happy to see. Well, another thing I'd like to say is, you know, if you're in a lot of people who have very severe medical problems have tried a lot of things and they haven't worked, obviously, you know, traditional Chinese medicine is something they, they should try. If other treatments are not working, what's the worst going to happen? You're going to smell like moxibustion. <laughs> and if everyone smells like that, then you're fine. It's really interesting. If you walk around in, Chinese town every few days you're going to smell the smell of that because it's like something people pretty commonly use. Yeah, uh, there are spot uh, what do you call those places? You know that um, people where people go to get their facials done mm -mm 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 -mm. Um, they ha there are small there stores or you call it spot treatment yeah. small treatment centers that's dedicated to that kind of uh, treatment. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go and have a session just 
you can go to those places. Well, I imagine if you're in the West, like if you're in an area where there's a high concentration of a lot of, you know, Chinese people, immigrants or expats living there, like San Francisco or New York or Los Angeles, most of these things that we've talked about today are probably available to you. Absolutely. I actually, again, I actually was recommended uh, to a, a Chinese doctor that I didn't go to by my friends in New York. Again, it was an American friend who recommended a Chinese doctor. I had my knee problem and all of that, and they wanted me to go try that acupuncturist that I didn't go to, but they go to that doctor on mm, a regular mm, basis. Mm. You know, I don't know if this is true or not, but my wife, when we were going through this process of getting these treatments, she told me, oh, you know, all the best acupuncturists are in the West. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh yeah, like <laughs> they go to get paid the big bucks in Los Angeles and London. And I was like, really? Imagine the amount of money you're going to gonna make if you work <laughs> as the acupuncturist for Steph Curry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. You know, that is all the time we have. It's always a great privilege to talk with you, Alex. Always enjoy our conversations, Jason. Listen in to our next episode for more insights and be a part of Bridging East and West. Bye bye, everyone. Bye.